How many people in your church are going to listen to this? Because the next question is, if you could change something in your church, what would it be and and why? So I guess you want to be careful. I think I have might... the, I think I have the perfect answer to this question. <laughs> All right. I saw I saw this. And I'm like, oh man, is he setting me up? I'm trying I, to get you in trouble. I want our church to grow in the basic things of the faith, just like I want myself to grow in the basic things of the faith. That, that, I mean, I say that to them all the time, and uh, ho- hopefully that gets across, but to grow in their affection for Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I want to grow. That's how I want my wife and children to grow. That's how I want our church to grow. I, we've never w- arrived there. There's always room to grow. I wrote down here Second Peter 3.18, um, basically the way Second Peter ends, to with an encouragement to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want us to grow in our affection for Christ, um, our burden for the lost, our passion for the glory of God, uh, our love for the local church, um, a desire to advance in sanctification, and a growing and understanding of how sanctification happens. It's not just learning more and more things. It's not just doing more and more things, but it's being transformed by the Spirit hmm. into the image of Christ. So just the basics <clears throat> of the faith, brother, honestly, is yeah. my focus for myself and, and for our church to grow yeah. in the faith. Amen to that. Welcome to Grounded. I'm Steve Hartland, senior pastor at Cornerstone Community Church here in Joppa, Maryland. And I have a guest today. He's sitting to my left. We'll introduce him in a minute. But first, let me tell you about the topic. He and I are both pastors actually in the same county in Maryland. We're both in Harford County. He's at North Harford Baptist Church. So that's what that Harford is. And uh, we're in Joppa, Maryland, not that far away. And we're going to talk about, oh, I'd say state of the church things. So uh, two pastors evaluating what's going on in the church in America today, stuff like that. So I think it's time to introduce you, Matt. Matt Fortunato, welcome, man. Say hi. Thanks, brother. It's good to see you. Good to be here with you. Looking forward to this topic. Great to have you. So, so Matt, how long have we known each other? Like, I am terrible at knowing how long something was in the past. Some people are really good at that. I'm horrible. Do you know how long have we known each other? I think four years, because I've been here four and a half mm. years, and I met you very shortly after I moved here. Was that right so after? So it would have been late 2018 or early 2019. So four and a half years. Pretty good. And you were then the new, when we first met, you were the new associate pastor at North Harford Baptist Church. Yes. But recently something's changed. What changed? You want to tell us about that? Our former pastor retired, and uh, I've now been the senior pastor for about a month. A month. Just over a month, yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say, so So, how many battles have there been in the first month? But Lord willing, none, right? They're all you, in my mind, brother. Uh, They're all in my mind. Uh, that's but, like like that thing. Who It was Mark Twain who said, I have lived a long life that was full of many troubles, most of which never actually happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were in his head. That was a paraphrase. But um, so what do you think? You were associate pastor for, let's say, almost four and a half years, mm-hmm. and now, now you're the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Do you notice any immediate difference, or is there something like, well, I didn't expect that. This is happening. Um, 
more responsibilities with the overseeing pastoral care and visitations and things like that, more responsibilities uh, overseeing administrative things, and then having charge of the pulpit, you know, having the main stewardship over the preaching yeah. and teaching. Um, so a little more a little more pressure there, but then again, a lot of that's in my head, and it's self-imposed pressure that, um, you know, but the basics of the ministry and the principles of the ministry are the same, just same trying thing. to preach the Word, stay committed to prayer, and and those kinds of things, care for people well. So you were preaching and teaching already as one of the as the associate pastor of the church, mm-hmm. um, but you'll be preaching and teaching more now, I assume. Yes, significantly more. Yes. So, you, so you're feeling that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew the change was coming. So the first couple sermon series, the AM and the PM that I'm doing now, I had started preparing for those about three, almost four months in ahead of time with mm-hmm. the with the uh, the first. <clears throat> stages of prayer and preparation for those messages. So that's made it doable. Is it your hope that you can maintain that and stay three or four months out all the time? Uh, no. No. No, right. I think that was a unique situation. Yeah, all right. Because yeah. it is kind of nice. So I'm periodically that way and then not that way. Like right now, we're, we're, we've just been in the Gospel of John, John 6. Now we're doing John 10. For Easter, we had some John 19 and some John 20. We've been Johnning lately. But I know there's a Deuteronomy series coming. So I've been working, and you know, I'm like a squirrel. You're putting nuts in your cheeks and putting them in a tree right. so they're ready. So I've been working on Deuteronomy because it's a little bit, I don't want to say ominous. It's a little bit uh, threatening. Like, man, I've never preached Deuteronomy. It's a whole different genre back there. How's that going to go? But actually, I'm feeling real good about preparation because I'm a, a month out. If not for that, I'd, I'd be worried. Right. But so for the individual messages, you'll wait for – the week before or two weeks before, so you're just kind of getting some of the study done. Yeah, the real the real study will be the week of. Okay. Yeah, but right now I'm like putting it together and reading through the book a lot. What do I want to say about that part? Which parts do I really want to cover and not, and so on? So insights into sermon prep for for everybody who hasn't <laughs> been there. So I want to back up a little bit and um, prior to you coming to North Hartford Baptist, I, I think you were finishing up your education mm-hmm. immediately prior to that. So. You've got a Ph.D. from Westminster Theological Seminary. Yes, Philadelphia. That place is not a joke. No. I've heard of that place. (laughs) I think they're pretty rigorous in their education. Was it? Was it grueling? It was. It was. It was uh, was grueling and, um, you know, by God's grace, was able to complete that degree. But it it was – it was extremely difficult, but it, it was worth it. It was a sanctifying process. It was a growth process, and it was, it you know, I don't have a negative thing to say about Westminster. The way yeah. God used it in my life through through study and through learning yeah. was is uh, is great. Were you able to go full time, and if so, how long? How long did it? How long? The fastest somebody could go full time. How long would it take? It's supposed to be a three four year program. No, well maybe four. I forget the details. I think for me it was six years. It was considered full-time, uh, but I was working at the same time. So kind of a kind of a strange situation. I mean, I wouldn't working. recommend yeah. that. And that was not recommended to me. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a couple years of coursework and then a couple years of learning languages, uh, not to, to be fluent in them, but to be able to read and in case you need to... Uh, in case you need that for your dissertation. So you don't mean Greek or Hebrew. Those are assumed. You meant like you had to learn some German and some French? Yeah. 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 Um, and then your exams, which are a beast, written mm-hmm. exams, oral exams, and then your your dissertation. 
two years, yeah. maybe and, and a year if you're just a brilliant scholar and have nothing else to do, <laughs> you, which you, I'm not in any of those guys. You had a wife and kids while you're doing that. Yeah. And you're working some. Yeah. Yeah. Hats off to you, brother. Yeah. So uh-huh. thank you. So uh, another quick question. We ought to get into our stuff here soon, but it's fun. There's time. About you. Yeah. What made you choose Westminster as opposed to, if you heard of Whitfield, like Whitfield Theological Seminary that gives a demon sounds uh, like demon does sound good doctor of ministry <laughs> what made you choose westminster when i was looking for a seminary i didn't know anything about seminaries uh I, god had just recently changed my views on the doctrines of grace so i was living in south jersey at the time i went online and did a search for seminaries within reasonable driving distance and then looked at their beliefs and saw which ones aligned with the doctrines of grace and it was westminster Hmm. i didn't know anything else about that seminary presbyterianism the word reformed and any of that stuff i didn't know but i knew from the website and from just looking at their resources and and doing a visit that uh, that that was the perspective, the theological perspective that they were teaching from. So that was it for me. So you went there as a Baptist guy? No, I was not. You weren't Baptist. I mean, I had believed in believers' I'm baptism. Move over a little bit. Here. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, I've always said I'm. A, I was a Baptist at heart, but at the time I was um, associated with the Churches of Christ Fellowship. All right. So different denomination, but, different. But group you believed together. in. Believers' baptism yes, sir. Yes, sir. by immersion upon credible profession of faith. Mm-hmm. And Westminster Seminary is Presbyterian, right. so they're— Infant baptism. Yeah, infant baptism, yeah. paedo baptism. So during your years there, did you ever feel pressure from that? Like, hmm, maybe they're right. Maybe I'll become a paedo baptist. Or did you remain pretty solid about believers' baptist, credo baptism during your stay? No, I never felt pressure. Um and we were given an opportunity to look into it, hear, hear both sides, hear the other side, and study through it and work out our own views. And uh, in the classroom, you know, I mean, the lectures are straight from Scripture. I mean, that's a primary source hmm. seminary. So if you want uh, a curriculum and actual classroom lectures that is working from the text up, the original languages up, um, you know, and that's the thing that enables the student to study on his own and work out his views. And anyway, so no, I, there was no pressure. We definitely got that perspective. But yeah, stay a Baptist, brother. Stay a Baptist. Way to go, brother. <laughs> yeah, stay in the club here. So um, we ought to get down to talking about some of the things we said we would talk about. So. We're, we're doing state of the church. So we're thinking about the church in America, churches we know of in our locale here, and um, you know what kind of shape are things in. We're going to give our thoughts and our views. We're going to give our opinions on that. But uh, let me start off here. So, so, Matt, if you could change churches in these United States of America, what would you change and why would you change it? If you could change <laughs> churches in America, change churches in Harford County, change churches in our locale, what's on your list? When I read that question on your email, I was like, oh, man, there's so many things I could Uh say. I picked two. So one thing I would say is that Christians and churches would be more optimistic about the power of the gospel and that the fact uh, of the the decadence of the world around us, uh, the immorality, the violence, the bitterness uh, of the culture around us, that seems to be spiraling downward. Um, sure looks like it. Right. 
But that doesn't change the power of the gospel. It doesn't make it harder for God to save people. Um, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Yeah. And so to not let the pessimism of the secular world seep into our hearts, um, because God is going to build his church successfully and um, save whoever he wants to save. Uh, so that's one thing that came to mind. Man, so I want to pause there and say, you're, you're, you're preaching my sermon for this Sunday. That's what I'm here for, Ex- man. Exactly. It's part of my sermon. So <laughs> we're in John chapter 10, and Jesus is talking about those who are his sheep, and they will come, and he will he will call them, and they will believe, and they will follow him, and it's all definitive, you know. And so it's going to get us into this thing that's part of Reformed theology called effectual calling, the inward call. We're going to talk about the outward call. There's the gospel. It can be resisted. There's an inward call. It's irresistible. The Spirit of God is calling you. You're going to come to Jesus. Um and so one of our points about that is going to be so this gives us uh, this gives us hope like evangelism seems tough right now people's hearts are hardened and you know the culture is turning more and more against the gospel and the word of god are we going to get lose hope and give up hope oh no i'm going to the verses some of those you just mentioned like no the gospel is the power of god and god has a, jesus has his sheep out there and when he says come They'll come. Amen. Yeah, same thing, huh? Not a lot of maybes in John chapter 10. Yeah, that's right. None yeah. at all. It's all very definite. So you would change that. So does that mean, do you believe a lot of churches, a lot of pastors, a lot of Christians are kind of sagging like, oh, man, we're losing the game. It's it's hard. I get that impression from things I hear, but honestly, I'm so zeroed in on the work in our congregation, in our community. I'm not out there listening to, you know, what a ton of different mm-hmm. pastors and preachers, I, I, but I do get that impression. You think um, your people are sagging a little bit? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think um, any, no, I, I don't get that impression. Very good. Uh, yeah. Very good. All right. So what else? If you could change churches in these United States of America, what would you want to change? The other thing I came up with was uh, the, they, the body life of the church would be simpler. I think uh, I also get the impression that churches have so many programs and so many ministries and the logistics and the mechanics of it all is so involved. I wonder if it's drowned out a focus on a spiritual mindedness, on personal sanctification, on the actual preaching and exalting in the gospel. I just wonder if it's so high maintenance and so programmatic that the that the spiritual uh, mindset has uh, is minimized a little bit. And I think adding another another thing, I, I think maybe maybe I don't know too much taking people away from the rest of life. I think church is not supposed to consume someone's life. It's meant to. It's not. <laughs> it's meant to <laughs> equip us to go out in the other areas of life and live for Christ in the other areas of life, in the other spheres of life, family, work, economics, hobbies, cultural engagement. And um, so, I, so I, I get the impression there's a tendency to just want to f- fill as much of people's lives up with the formal external church life that some of that gets overlooked as well. Very good. So, so what? I think our church has a little more programmatic stuff going on than your church does. I keep staff busier here, but this is interesting that you bring this up. So, um, I am. So there are new people showing up at Cornerstone, 
and some of them have an idea from some program, some ministry, something they had at their last church that was really cool, meant a lot to them, and could we start one? So actually, I'm this happens a lot. I'm talking with a guy right now, he's new here, and he's saying, hey, can we start one of these? So this morning, I went and looked at the book, you know, on Amazon, you can look inside, and um, uh, there's a, a, a ministry with a website, went and looked at their website, and I wrote him back and said, hey, um, can you just tell me, like, what would this look like if this thing started here? And so might be a good thing, probably a very good thing, but there's just like a steady, 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 can we start this? Can we start that? Can we start that? And we're basically trying not to. We're trying to do three things that we call, we're, we're cult-like, we call this the path. Matt, we have a thing at our church called the path. And there are three circles in the path. And the first circle is gathered worship. What did I get myself into here? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't tell you what was really coming. So there's gathered worship. That's that's the main place. Amen. We want you all to be there because there's the means of grace are there and so on. And then the next thing over is we'd like you serving some way. So you're not just sitting, soaking, souring, sucking it all in. But we'd like you serving on one of our ministry teams, serving in our kids' ministry, or you're serving out there somehow already. And then a the third thing is we'd like you gathering in a group. If you got any bandwidth left in your week, because like you, we don't want to have them every night of the week. We'd like you in one of our groups where fellowship and more Bible study and more prayer and stuff is happening. So those are the three things we want to do, and we're trying not to do other things, but other things are always pressing in on us. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of thing you're talking about where churches say, yes, 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 and start them all. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a tired And then where do you draw the line, right? If, if, If there's this specific ministry for this specific group and another specific ministry for this specific group and that, and you're subdividing people into all of these little categories so that they can have a custom fit ministry not that they're bad things but is that right. i mean at what point is it just not it's uh, too much yes yeah, too much i actually have a list i'd look for it now but it would take too much time and i'm in airplane mode it won't go anywhere anyway and and I, this list is ministries people have asked me can we have and i'm just going to guess there's 37 Ministries on my list so far. Wow. Yeah. And a lot, and most of them are prob- probably probably good things. Good. But a lot yeah. of them, if it's if it's just a thing you can do as a Christian, it doesn't need to become a right. church wide program. If, yes. if God's put that burden on your heart to live out that aspect of Christianity, go live it out. Go do it. Be a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some things you would change in the church in the U.S. of A. Anything else you want to put on the list? No, that's I'll draw the line there. All right. So I got one. So what do you think of this one? I would just say, so let me let me go to our local area. So one of the things I do, Matt, is new people show up and, oh, what church are you from? And we're from XYZ Church, you know, up the street there. Um, so I go online and visit XYZ Church and visit their service and listen to the preaching. Man, I would put a lot more doctrine, a lot more Bible, a lot more theology in the preaching in a whole lot of pulpits. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah. I'm assuming your pulpit's rather, you're explaining scripture, you're reading the text. We're doing the, the best we can, yeah. We're do- <laughs> but I've seen you preach, it's a lot the same. We start with the passage, and then we work through it and, and explain it and try to apply it to the heart uh, for practical Christian living. So, yes, yeah. yes. But, man, there are churches I'll visit, and I'm not, like, I'm not Mr. Church curmudgeon here. I'm not you know, taking pleasure out of being down on people, but uh, I want— Christians to be healthy and churches to be healthy because the Savior wants that. Our Lord wants that. And I don't think a church can be healthy when the pulpit ministry is, well, let's put it in the worst light, when it's somewhat anemic 
or childish or juvenile or it's fit for junior high school kids, but you know, it's all milk, not meat. Where's the meat of the word? So I think that's a pretty big problem. Do you think it's a big problem? I would agree, right? Because it's the word that builds up and the word is the, the, the instrument of the spirit. So in those churches, then what's bringing people keep coming, to keep coming back? In a well, pulpit like that. Yeah, what would you say? I'm asking you. Oh, okay. Because it's your thing you'd want to change. All right. Uh, where where the pulpit is lacking, why do they keep coming back? Yeah, why are they having such a, such a good time and yeah. what's, they're seeing so much value in it? Well, one is they probably don't know any different. Like, they, it would be nice if they knew, I should have some real meat in my pulpit ministry. Hmm, that's not meat. But they don't know that because wherever they've been, it didn't have meat. And maybe what they're looking for is other things, right? They're looking for some of the wrong things. So can I make friends? Can, is there something for my kids? You know, all those, they're shopping for those things that an American wants when they ought to be. All right, so note to all y'all listening here. What you ought to do is you ought to check out a church's doctrinal statement. Is it solid? Is it meaty? Are they saying something in it? But also you want to listen to the sermons and are you really being fed? Jesus said, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep, man. And uh, they did. Day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. And what's the first thing Peter does? He preaches a sermon and feeds the sheep. So it ought to be the word. It ought to be solid. It ought to be substantial to build you up in, in the things of the Lord. Uh, I'm not saying we're just like doctrinal robots or doctrinal machines either. Of course, there's heart, there's love, there's you know the spirit of God, but He uses His word. Yeah, no, it doesn't, that doesn't come across that way. Uh, that and what you're saying that we're to be robotic. Uh, it's, it's not intellectualism. Right. The Bible is where God has revealed Himself. So when we come to church, we're coming for God. We're coming to gather by faith around the throne of God. So the Word has to be the central element of that, the preaching of the Word and the power of the Spirit, because we come to receive God's grace, for God to administer His grace to our hearts. Yeah. So the Word has to be a part of that. Interesting. You didn't invent that. <laughs> That's right. There was no meeting yeah. about this. Yes. God has revealed Himself in the Word. So you said the word is central, and one of the things that we both know about is from the Reformation when they started reforming churches back in the 1500s, let's say, and very often the pulpit, the place of preaching, was off-center, and in the center was what? Uh, the host, right? That's where we have uh, the, the bread and the cup and so on, and communion was central, preaching was, was a side thing, and the reformers moved the pulpit into the center and moved it up high and said, I'd like to have one of those big, not really, <laughs> but they said, we're going to put the word central, we're going to lift it up, we're going to exalt it. What do you think of this, Matt? So I've had two guys in the past, well, one was about a year, year and a half ago, and one was probably more like three years ago who left Cornerstone unhappy, unhappy with me, unhappy with my pulpit ministry, unhappy with the preaching, and they specifically told me, I want to find a church where the Word, the ministry of the Word is not the central thing, where communion is the central thing, and there's much less Word, much less preaching. So in other words, I can kind of believe whatever I want, and it won't be, it won't be tested by your preaching. We'll just all come together around communion. You can tell I'm not real fond of that. What do you think of that? That's wild, man. I've never heard that before. My very first thought was if you take away communion apart from the the ministry of the Word, it's not, it's not communion anymore. Yeah, what is it? It's a little ritual that feels good. Yeah, and maybe you have sentimental or nostalgic feelings during it, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe— Maybe there is even maybe the true gospel is is explained during that, but um, 
I believe personally, and this is what we practice, not that it's the perfect practice, that the uh, the celebrating of the Lord's Supper together should be in conjunction with the ministry of the Word. Yeah. I would, it's just shocking to me when you said that. Why would you pit those two things against each other, hmm. the Word being central and then celebrating the Lord's Supper also as a means of grace? Yeah, yeah amen to that. Just speaking of high pulpits, are you a fan of R.C. Sproul? Yeah. You like Is this a trick question? I'm, no, it's not. I'm a, pre- I'm a pretty big fan of R.C. Okay. Sproul. Like, probably a, hardly a, a week goes by. Sunday mornings, I get up real early. I get myself all ready, prayed in, prayed up, ready for the sermon, look it over. And then I'm done with that. Now I just want to hear some guys preach. Not on my topic, but whatever. So I got, you know, I'm going to listen to John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, um, John Piper, um, various guys. So I become a Sprolite, man. Good for I you. Say that uh, Jesus is my Lord. But have you seen the pulpit in the church they built for him down there in Florida? No. Oh my goodness! The thing's like fifteen feet wide and twenty feet tall, and it's got these steps to get up in it. So that toward the end of his life, there he didn't preach up there anymore. He couldn't get up the steps. He couldn't man. do it. He was down on the floor with a little lectern. But oh man, they did that to exalt the word. Right. Yeah. So right. all right, we could use more of that. Let's go on. So. How many people in your church are going to listen to this? Because the next question is, if you could change something in your church, what would it be and and why? So I guess you want to be careful. I think I have might... the, I think I have the perfect answer to this question. <laughs> All right. I saw I saw this. And I'm like, oh man, is he setting me up? I'm trying I, to get you in trouble. I want our church to grow in the basic things of the faith, just like I want myself to grow in the basic things of the faith. That, that, I mean, I say that to them all the time and uh hopefully that gets across but to grow in their affection for christ Hmm. that's how i want to grow that's how i want my wife and children to grow that's how i want our church to grow we've never arrived there there's always room to grow i wrote down here second peter 318 um basically the way second peter ends to with an encouragement to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want us to grow in our affection for Christ, um, our burden for the lost, our passion for the glory of God, uh, our love for the local church, um, a desire to advance in sanctification, and a growing and understanding of how sanctification happens. It's not just learning more and more things. It's not just doing more and more things, but it's being transformed by the Spirit hmm. into the image of Christ. So just the basics <clears throat> of the faith, brother, honestly, is yeah. my focus for myself and, and for our church to grow yeah. in the faith. Amen to that. Yeah. If, if our people are to change, I'm looking at two other guys in our church now. They're over there behind the camera. If our church is going to change, yeah, more passion for Christ, more love for Christ, more commitment to Christ. Um, but here's I'm going to go to one particular that uh, Jason is our music guy, among other things, and uh, someone we were talking about. He was just involved in the area, in somebody's home, with, with a music night. So there were a number of musicians there and a number of people who aren't musicians, and they all played songs and sang. They sang together. And they're all from one church in this area. I won't name it. Good church. Um, he commented to me that their people sing way better than our people, like louder, which is good. Loud praise bring to, to the king. huh? So uh, if I had one, this is just one little thing. In addition to more passion, more love, it would be evidenced by the fact that when we sing on the Lord's Day, gathered together, man, they would sing their guts out, huh? You think? Would that be good? Yeah, he's nodding at me over there. Uh, how, do your people sing like with gusto? We sing. Yeah, our, our main uh, worship space is not the best 
with acoustics. So really? you can't always tell. Um, and of course, we could we could improve in singing to the Lord with all of our hearts, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we sing. We practice a, a very uh, simple accompaniment. Accompaniment. Am I saying that word right? With yes, <laughs> with uh, with the worship team and try to encourage congregational singing yeah. as much as we can. Yeah, amen. Acoustics matter, don't they? What is it about your acoustics? Do they absorb too much sound or is sound bouncing everywhere? I'm not sure. Honestly, brother, I'm not sure. It could be the speakers. It could be the room. It's, <clears throat> it's different in different uh, spaces. Different parts of the room? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, that can be rough. I mean, it's not horrible. I yeah. notice it because I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm thinking about all these these different things. Uh, probably to the average churchgoer, uh, they don't notice they it They might not even it's, notice. It's just fine. Another one I would say um, is for our church to continue to grow in our trusting the Word um, as a sufficient authority, not only for what we believe, but for what we practice how we do things, how the church is organized, uh, the the leadership structure of the church. Um, I just think there's always room for growth toward biblical practice. And um, so that, that's another area I think we could grow in. Yeah, amen. Another area we'd like to grow in, we're trying to grow in. We just, I'm sure you'll agree with this. Who cannot agree with this? We just want to see a whole lot more people get saved, right? Mm-hmm. We want to baptize a whole lot more people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and raise them up to newness of life and see them really, really walk with Christ. And uh, that brings us back to kind of where we started talking earlier that it just seems like hearts are hardened and it's hard to lead somebody to Christ nowadays. Oh, Lord, pour out your spirit and call some people to yourself. Are you guys finding that's a challenging thing right now, evangelism? Yes, Um and definitely will take a renewed commitment to to prayer, to a steady diet of preaching the gospel, preaching the need for salvation. Hmm. So preaching God, his holiness, his law, his law, which shows people that they need a savior. Um, so I think getting better at that, and that falls on me as the preacher to yes. make sure I'm preaching those things and modeling those things. And then um, and then preaching the savior hmm. and his, his life and his completed work of redemption. So I think understanding that it'll take time, it'll take hard work to truly be evangelistic, and um, it, it can't be just uh, evangelism isn't something that's going to happen in a three-minute enga- right. engagement that I yeah. have with you yeah. and reduce the gospel down to its smallest, to simplest form. Right. I think the church and the pulpit needs to always be about proclaiming the need for a Savior and proclaiming the Savior, hmm. and then just trust God with the results Amen. from there. Amen. Sounds good. So we got into that talking about um, if you could change something in your church, and that just makes me think, talked about the preaching as well, and what you want to do in the preaching reminds me that, so now that you're a senior pastor, and another man named John, John Manry, has been the senior pastor there for quite some time. How long? He's been there a total of Around 37 years. He was associate and then became... Yeah, and I forget how long he was the associate. It was either three or five years. So often when there's a transition like this, the the outgoing senior pastor will disappear for a while so as to let the people's affections get connected to you, the new senior pastor. Are you guys doing that, or is he staying around, or what's happening in your church? He's not attending anymore. He's still a member at our church mm-hmm. and uh, has come for some special things like around Easter. We had some some Easter outreaches, and um, but no, he's, he's attending somewhere else. He's right elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, if I live long enough, I'm going to have to do that here someday, aren't I? Another man comes in, he'll probably be a fool. Just kidding. I didn't mean that. <laughs> you know the proverb where the proverb where you amass all these riches and then the fool comes in and blows them all. Oh <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, no. Lord willing, we'll have somebody who's way better than me. Please, Lord, bless these people with somebody who's way better than me, and uh, they'll forget about me very quickly. Um. So let's see what else. If you could change pastors in the world, maybe this is too much duplicating, or if you could change preaching in the world, we kind of already covered that. Um, let me go down to another one. What are Who are some of your heroes in the faith? And who your heroes are probably tells us what you would like pastors to be. Like I mentioned, I really like the preaching of John Piper, John MacArthur, even though he's 83 now, uh, R.C. Sproul. Um, others in that category. How about you? Who are some of your favorite guys to listen to? So probably, probably guys that you've never heard of. But um, really, yeah, That's just just guy pastors who have been friends and have been in my life for a long time, and I've listened to their sermons and watched their ministries for a long time. These are not all that I listen to. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are some uh, yeah, the we... more well-known guys I listen to also. Um, but um, Anthony Zerlo, who's a pastor in South Jersey, hmm. uh, he's he pastors at churches called the Body of Christ Serving South Jersey. Um, he actually was my youth minister way, hmm. way back. That's pretty cool. And, yeah, first guy to ever share the true gospel with me. Really, really hmm. good preaching, strong in preaching the law, strong in preaching the gospel, um, the riches of God's mercy. Another one, uh, also a good friend of mine, his name is Jason Tyrell. He pastors at Joy Community Fellowship, also in South Jersey. He's been my best friend for a long time. And uh, he's really great in preaching just daily practical wisdom for Christian living. So they're different guys, aren't they? Yeah, and that's something I always need to see modeled and to be reminded that I need to make sure that I'm making time in the sermon to do those kinds of things. Because I'll I'll get on the the theoretical. Me too. Um, There are guys who exude that, and he's probably one of them. Oh, yeah. They're just so good at – there's this guy – so I find different people on the web that I get enamored with for a while. There's this guy on YouTube, and his his show, his channel is called – can I name a channel? Is that all right? He's he's Dry Creek Ranger School. So he's a cowboy, and he, he, his business is he teaches people how to handle their horses. And he's famous. He's got a really big channel and all that. He's a brother in Christ. He does some preaching. He's been a pastor sometimes. But he's a guy that I don't know if he knows much theology, but man, does he exude wisdom for a Christian living. There are guys who are just wired that way. Yeah. I wish I had more of that. <laughs> Our people probably wish I had more of that. Yeah, me too. Uh, but there are guys out there we can watch and, and learn from. Um, I have four more. Two, two more that I know personally. And these guys aren't from South Jersey. They're just from the South. Uh, one guy named John O'Sims. He's from Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church in Tennessee. Really great on exegetical precision, a lot like mm-hmm. the way Piper mm-hmm. is is a very exegetically precise, but then he's very clear in bridging that to practical application. And then a guy from Alabama, his name is Jeff Noblet of Grace Life uh, Church of the Shoals in, uh, in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Just he preaches with zeal, he preaches with a pastoral leadership and gives uh, just, again, great exegetically, but really making that bridge to practical body life application mm. in a way. Uh, other guys I listen to a lot, 
I've randomly found this guy called, uh, called. he's named Ryan McKee. He's from Northern Ireland. It was a random mm. sermon audio find. Uh-huh. And, um, and you're liking him? Oh, I love him. Yeah. I, I, so, pause yeah. yeah, absolutely. Back up to the last guy. Where yeah. was he? He's um, Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. How'd you find him? Okay. So, remember when I said earlier that I changed in my views on the doctrine to grace, right? And that's what made me look for Westminster. Also, at that right, right after, even maybe two weeks after, my views were changed on that. That this Paul Washer sermon went viral. I like Paul Washer. Shocking youth oh, message. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah, that did go viral. <laughs> that yeah. put him on the map. Yeah, that was like two or three weeks after. Um, at least it came to me two or three weeks after my views changed on uh, Doctrines of Grace. Anyway, so I heard that Paul Washer sermon, and then I did a, a web search on Paul Washer and sermons, and it took me to a conference that he spoke oh, at. That this and church, he was there. yeah, it was his church. It was, was his hosting. Church. Yeah, they had Paul Washer. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so short story. This is interesting. I used to be the senior pastor of Riverside Bible Church, which became the Reformed Baptist Church of Riverside, California. I was there from '85 to '95. When I left in '95, an acquaintance of mine from from Scotland, Robert Robert, I wanted to say Robert Briggs. That's another guy from Scotland who came over. Uh, Robert came over, and he's there. He's still their pastor. <laughs> I just checked in the other week to see what's he been preaching on, how are they doing. It was a PM service I looked at, and guess who was preaching there? Paul Washer. No way. I thought, darn, he got Paul Washer. How? I wonder how I can get Paul Washer to come speak here. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I listened to Washer's uh, podcast. I think he does it through Heart Cry, um, just little meditations or little messages through the pastoral epistles. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. Robert Elliott, by the way. That oh, was okay. Name. Yeah, okay. he got married in a kilt with a sword and the knife in his sock and the whole thing because he's Scottish. All right, well, I'm going to move on a little bit. Yeah. Um, hmm, you may or may not even want to go here. Feel free to take a pass if you want to take a pass. We're both we're both in the Southern Baptist Convention. We're both in the Baptist Convention in Maryland and Delaware. Both of our churches are and we are as pastors. If you could change something in the SBC, what would you change? Do you want to even go there? Yeah, that's fine. There's a lot to say. I I think a take it down to just the uh the ground level of local church. Local church affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. I would like to see less of a dependence on the large-scale organizational ministries and efforts. I just from my limited experience I do see that sometimes uh, there's a, there can be trying to find a sense of kingdom purpose or a sense of fulfilling the kingdom purpose just by virtue of our affiliation with the larger ministries and the larger scale. And I would like to see that change to where local churches and Christians understand that the kingdom work is their church and mm. their ministries. Mm. This is the way God organized his kingdom in this era is local churches. And, to, and, and for Christians to understand that and be really excited about it and not have to feel like they have to um, find a sense of meaning or kingdom purpose 
simply by virtue of some bigger Being involved in that program right over there right mm-hmm. right yeah very good that does that make sense, sense? Oh, it makes good sense okay yeah yeah, yeah. um so I'm not deeply involved. You know, we're, we're members. I'm not deeply involved in the workings of, but I can see from things, from emails I get, yeah, there's this big thing over there and there's a big thing over there. And uh, we're not attracted to those big things either. You know, we got things we need to do here as a church, right? And if I start spending all my time on those big things, then I'm not doing what I need to do here, maybe. So, all right, Matt, we're coming down home stretch here. I'm going to ask you just one more question. Maybe unless it turns out to be a bad one to end on. So let's give it a try. And that is, uh, you ever think about writing a book? If you were to write a book, you ever think about, I'd like to write a book? And what topic might you want to write on? Honestly, the first thing that came to mind when I read that question in your email was a book on the cross. And specifically, this passage from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. I guess verse 17, all the way through chapter 2, in explaining the wisdom of God revealed in the cross and the power of God manifested in the message of the cross and how this contradicts worldly wisdom and worldly notions of power. I think that would be a a really cool book because the cross is the centerpiece of our message and it's our joy, it's our only hope, our only hope of forgiveness, the hope of eternal life. Um, Christ's blood shed on the cross. And um, I'd love that passage of Scripture. It's not only about the cross, but it's also about uh, preaching, and it's, it's about hearing, and all those things. So that's what came to mind. Man, that sounds great. And I think that is a great place for us to draw this to a close, yeah. focused on the cross and maybe writing a book. You really think you might someday? Uh, I'm not sure. No, I'll probably do a sermon on that or two sermons, but uh, I think it'd be a cool book. If I were to write one, i I would, I would be would all be about that, yeah. I would read it. Cool, man. Sounds very good. <laughs> you thank can you do the for, forward. Thank you for joining me today on Grounded. And um, you're about, how, how, how long does it take you to get here today? 20, 25 minutes? Yeah, about that. About that. So we're not very far apart. I look forward to seeing you. In fact, there's a coffee shop near here where I am that I, I run into you sometimes. Are you there? You're there from time to time. I like to go there on Thursday. On Thursday. Yeah. You're reading books. You're getting things done and so on. So yeah. I'll probably bump into you there some more coffee shop near us. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks for being with us on Grounded. Uh, we come out twice a month on all the major platforms. Uh, hope to see you there. And if you really want to do something nice for us, you could give us a like and or share us with a friend. Thank you. God bless. <laughs>